Anybody watch the news recently? I heard there's a virus out there, right? It's uh, called the coronavirus. Well, today I'm going to tell everybody a little secret about me, and that is I am not afraid of the coronavirus whatsoever. Neither is Miguel and a lot of people in here are not afraid. And I don't think we should be afraid, but I think that most people, if they hear that, like, wow, you're not afraid of the coronavirus, like, you know, the mania starts, right? Like, oh, you need to, you need to be afraid or everything's going to fall apart, you know. But, you know, just like the bird flu, the swine flu, SARS, Ebola, all that, when those happened, I wasn't scared because this is a vicious cycle that continues to play out, okay? You know, we're not going to be destroyed by some virus or bacteria. That's not how the world ends. And I want to go over today some of the reasons why I'm not afraid of the coronavirus. And I think it will be helpful, hopefully. It's helped me, um, you know, because when I think about situations like this, like where I'm supposed to be terrified and I'm not, it always goes back to God in one way, shape, or form. So, Let's talk about a couple facts about the coronavirus that should put our minds at ease a little bit. First of all, I'm sure you've heard this, but there hasn't been that many people that have died from it, actually, when you look at the statistics. Um, the issue is, is that, like any viral infection, if you're immune, immunocompromised, not in a good state of health, you know, especially respiratory-wise, um, sometimes cardiovascularly, there can be some risks and some complications that come up. But the issue is, is that most viruses are not that big a deal. The flu, the regular influenza is much more deadly. For example, so far since this craze has started, this is as of yesterday, there's been not even 3,500 deaths worldwide. Okay? There's only been 14 deaths in the United States. That was as of yesterday. Well, the influenza <laughs> kills up to 646,000 people every year worldwide. Okay? And in the U.S., it kills 61,000 people every year. The common flu. Okay? Now, I know some people forgot about the flu, but you don't see this type of freaking out like we're seeing with the coronavirus, right? Like the world's going to end. Well, I think those statistics are very telling, and I'm not afraid. Well, there's a bigger reason why I'm not afraid. And this reason is, is that I've got the Word of God, and whenever I'm confused, whenever I'm scared, I turn to the Word of God. And I know we were talking about earlier in uh, prayer time about, you know, there's some herbs and stuff that can be helpful that God created. And in Psalm 104, 14, it says, He causes the grass to grow for the cattle, and herbs for the service of man. And that's been a big verse that, you know, people who use herbs for healing have used for years. The bottom line is, is God's got answers in his creation. There's answers out there for any sickness, any illness. It's a matter of us, you know, trying to find what it is. And that's what people are doing now. Like the coronavirus is going to destroy the world. What are we going to do? We got to invent something new. Well, I guarantee you God's got something out there to help if need be. You know, we serve a God who... I don't know, he likes to protect us, likes to be with us, likes to keep us safe. In Exodus 14, chapter 14, verse 13, it says, But Moses told the people, Don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. I think that's a really cool verse. 
Like that's kind of like, it's bigger than just a coronavirus type verse. It's like in any, any situation, you know, Moses is telling the people, just stand still, relax, be calm. Watch the Lord rescue today. It's going to happen. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17, it says, I will give you back your health and heal your wounds, says the Lord. That's a verse I, I really loved, especially at my sickest points, because it gives me hope that no matter what struggles we have, we serve a God who's a healer, right? We serve a God that can heal. He can do anything. And so that gives me hope. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 41. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. I guarantee you leprosy is a lot nastier than the coronavirus. Well, I know that to be true. So Jesus can take, a le- take care of leprosy. He can handle the coronavirus, right? Now, here's another reason. I'm going to scripture for this, but this is a separate th- thought process, okay, of a reason why I'm not scared of the coronavirus, even though the media and everybody around seems to be afraid of it. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. It says, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, what do those two verses or sets of verses have to do with the coronavirus scare that's going on right now? We as a church know that one of our big messages is, is God is good, God is love, God does not hurt people. God does not zap people, like I like to say, with lightning bolts, okay? God is not up there waving his finger, making people sick, causing people to get in car accidents. That's not God's doing. That's not the God that we serve. And historically, as a church, we've really tried to hit home that message. No, God is not a bully hurting people. If bad things happen, it's not because of God, right? So we all agree that God is love. You know, that's a big belief, I think, of Christianity in general, especially our church. So we all agree, like I said, that God's not up there zapping people with lightning bolts, giving diseases, giving little babies leukemia. God, that's not God's doing, right? Then here's a question for you. Then why did God create viruses, bacteria, parasites, and fungus? If God's not a bully, why did he create these things? If God is love, if God is our healer, why would he create germs to hurt us, to make us sick, and even kill us? Something's not adding up. There is uh, a common uh, term used when you go to the grocery store and you look for a thing of milk. Pasteurization, right? Oh, it's pasteurized. You see that word, right? Well, the reason that we have this word pasteurization on our milk is because by law, in order to be sold in a store, milk has to be pasteurized, okay? 
Pasteurization involves heating raw milk to a very high temperature to, in order to kill the germs and bacteria inside the milk to prevent infections. Okay? Well, where does that term come from, pasteurization? Most people will not recognize the following name, Louis Pasteur. Anybody recognize that? Yep. Okay, everyone, well, well, I guess everybody recognizes it. Okay, never mind. Not Violet. Well, you're going to find out more about Louis Pasteur. The, the term pasteurization is credited to this 19th century French scientist. Okay? The assumption that's been made because of Louis Pasteur, which I'm going to get into more of, that killing germs would be the solution to both treating and preventing states of disease. This is the basic concept upon which Western medicine, based on Pasteur's ideas, that germs, viruses, bacteria, fungus, and parasites are the cause of illness, okay? So if you're following me, Louis Pasteur is the man behind what we call the germ theory. But there is a fascinating history behind both the germ theory of disease as well as its, as well as its controversial proponent, which is Louis Pasteur. Now, the first thing I will say is I invite everybody to do their own research by Googling Pasteur versus Béchamp. That's my best French accent, Béchamp. When you Google this, you will see a lot of the information that I'm gonna give you today. In 19th century France, while Pasteur was advocate, advocating the notion of germs as the cause of, a, of disease, another French scientist named Antoine Béchamp advocated a conflicting theory known as the cellular theory of disease. Béchamp's cellular theory is almost completely opposite to that of Pasteur's. Béchamp noted that these germs that Pasteur was so terrified of were opportunistic in nature. They were everywhere and even existed inside of us in a symbiotic relationship. Béchamp noticed in his research that it was only when the tissue of the host became damaged or compromised that these germs began to manifest as a prevailing symptom of disease, but not a cause. To prevent illness, Béchamp advocated not the killing of germs, but the cultivation of health through diet, hygiene, and healthy lifestyle practices such as fresh air and exercise. The idea is that if a person has a strong immune system and good tissue quality, or terrain, as Béchamp called it, the germs will not manifest in the person and they will have good health. It is only when their health starts to decline due to personal neglect, poor lifestyle choices, that they become victim to these infections. Notice, the big killer, the big issue with getting the flu or coronavirus is having a compromised immune system, and entirely that means a very poor state of health. To treat illnesses, Béchamp's cellular theory is also applied. Béchamp was less concerned with the killing the infection and focused more on restoring the health to the patient's body through healthy lifestyle choices. Béchamp saw the infection as a footnote to the state of illness and not the primary cause. As the person restored health through diet, hygiene, and detoxification, the infection went away on its own without needing measures to kill it. Pasteur and Béchamp had a long and often bitter rivalry, rivalry regarding who was right about the true cause of illness. Ultimately, Pasteur's ideas were accepted by society 
and Bichamp was pretty much forgotten. The practice of Western medicine is based on Pasteur's germ phobia, which gives rise to the use of vaccinations, antibiotics, and other antimicrobials. The irony is that towards the end of his life, Pasteur renounced the germ theory and admitted that Bichamp was right all along. You don't hear that one, do you? Yeah, exactly. In the 1920s, medical historians also discovered that most of Pasteur's theories were plagiarized from Bechamp's early research work. Now, on his deathbed, Pasteur said, Bernard was correct. I was wrong. The microbe is nothing. The terrain is everything. The Bernard he was referencing was Claude Bernard, another scientist who was a student of Bechamp's. Pasteur happened to be friendly with Bernard, and Bernard told him his whole life, Louis, you're wrong. The germ is nothing. The terrain is everything. And on his deathbed, one of the last things he said, I was wrong. Bernard was right. The question is, why then did God make viruses, bacteria, parasites, and fungus? Did God make these critters to make us sick, to hurt us, to kill us? Is that the kind of God we love and serve and tell others to love and serve as well? Because we do a lot of bragging on God. But if God's making little critters to make me sick and kill me, I don't know how I'm going to tell that to other people. Love God. I mean, you know, he wants you to be hurt and sick and dead, but, you know, love him anyway. We can find the answer to this question in the Bible by observing the life of Jesus, who spent more time healing sickness than anything else. How does it make sense that when God comes to earth in the flesh, he spent most of his time healing, but yet we're supposed to believe that our Creator God made germs to make us sick and to kill us? Not adding up. We can also find the answer to this in simple Scientific Biology 101. Viruses, bacteria, parasites, and fungus are scavengers of toxicity. When you grab an apple to eat and you decide to not eat the core and you throw it on the ground, where does that core go? Does it sit there for thousands of years? No, it breaks down into the basic elements and becomes soil. How does bacteria do this? Bacteria, viruses, parasites, and fungus, they have the ability to break down things that need broken down. Imagine, if you will, that a person or animal, and this might get a little off color here, goes to the bathroom out in nature. Does it just pile up mountains of stuff over thousands of years? Where does it go? It breaks down. Why does it break down? Because bacteria, viruses, parasites, and fungus break it down. Now, when this happens, it breaks down and feeds the soil, which feeds the plants that we eat and that God designed to heal us. You get a better, better picture of how God works? Does this make a little bit more sense than turn on CNN and seeing how the coronavirus is going to destroy us all and God's behind it? Nothing we can do about it? So, saying that, um, because they break this down, 
it saves us tremendous grief, both in our health and our life. If any piece of food we throw in the trash didn't break down, we would run, we would run, we would run out of space by now, right? If it didn't break down, our world would be one big sewer. I kind of like bacteria, viruses, parasites, and fungus at this point in time for understanding that. Remember what I said, germs, all germs are scavengers of toxicity. Like I said, they break down toxic matter, weak cells, damaged cells, and tissues that are not vital. Without germs, dead bodies would pile up like mountains. Waste products from human beings and animals would overflow the world. Filth and toxicity would be everywhere all the time, no matter what. So what is the problem with that? Human beings cannot be healthy and stay alive in a toxic environment. Toxicity makes us sick, diseased, and ultimately dead. Filth attracts germs because filth is what germs eat. Germs do not eat healthy tissue. Most germs are the opposite of human life. They thrive in toxic environments. That is where they live and their job is, is to eat and get rid of filthy, toxic, dead, dying, diseased tissue, matter, and waste. Here's the example I used to use with people all the time when I'd discuss health with them. Let's say you have a septic tank in your yard for all of your waste from the bathroom, okay? Let's say you take the germ theory of health approach to that septic tank. To take care of all the, you know, germs that are probably in that thing, right? Like, because you want the germs gone. Like, that's the whole point of this, 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 this analogy is that you want these germs gone. If you were to take the viewpoint of the germ theory of disease by Pasteur, in order to get the germs out of the septic tank, you would pour chemicals in it to kill the germs. So let's say you did that. It might kill a lot or some of the germs for a brief period of time. Then those germs will be back and there'll be more of them. And there'll be more in the tank than there was to begin with. Now, if you were to use the cellular theory of disease, which lines up biblically, in order to get those germs out of that septic tank, you drain it, you'd wash it out completely clean, dry it, they would be gone. There's nothing there to attract and keep the germs in the septic tank. Because they, once again, like I said, God created germs for a reason. They are scavengers of toxicity. They break down the things that are unhealthy to us. So I thank God for that. You know, he knows what he's doing, right? Like I think in every area of life, that's what I keep learning. You know, God created everything, including germs. Satan did not create the coronavirus. God did. Okay? Like, the coronavirus, people were saying it was invented in a lab. It was not. Coronavirus has been around for a long, long time. Now, people are arguing that might have been messed with. You know, we're, we're doing stupid stuff like that all the time. Right? We think we can outwit God, and it never works out well. But the coronavirus is nothing new. All right? It's been here. And first of all, you know, ultimately, only God can create. Like I said, Satan did not create germs. God did not do, God did. He did not create germs to hurt us, but to help us. We have more bacteria in our bodies than we have cells. Right this very moment, you have, what, three trillion cells? Is that the number? Yeah, I think that's the number. 
you have more bacteria in your body right now than that. And you need this bacteria in your body to stay healthy and to survive. There are many viruses, bacteria, parasites, and fungus you do want to avoid if you can. But here's the thing, you can't avoid them by spraying yourself down with Lysol or drinking or taking bottles of antibiotics. You can't avoid most of them by locking yourself in your house. They're everywhere. Literally, if you could see all the germs that are all over everything in this room, you would freak out. Like they are everywhere. You can't run, you can't hide, you can't kill enough of them. Because if that works, when I remember when I was younger and before I started studying health, when somebody got the stomach flu, I sprayed more Lysol than probably legally allowed and it never stopped anybody from getting the stomach flu. It ran through the whole house no matter how much Lysol I sprayed, no matter, it didn't matter, it didn't matter. Because you can kill them all you want, they'll make more. All right, they, they, that's not gonna help. And the funny kicker is, is that since they love toxicity, as chemicals kill them, and then the, 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 the chemical potency wears off, they use it for fuel because it's a toxin. So the more chemicals you use on germs, the more they're gonna be able to feed and grow. It doesn't add up, it doesn't make sense, biologically or otherwise. But here's what you can do. You can't avoid the germs, but you can improve the terrain of your body, and I can too, so they don't come inside of you and wanna hang out. They want to avoid you because to them, cleanliness internally and externally is toxic. They can't survive in a clean environment. I don't mean clean with chemicals, I mean free of toxicity, free of gunk, free of filth. They don't like our bodies if they are free of toxins. They don't like our bodies if they have vital cells. They don't like our bodies if we have healthy tissue. Like I said, they like toxic, weak, damaged, cyclic conditions. That is their job to break down the toxins and unhealthy cells. We can't hide from the coronavirus. By, but by setting up the right conditions with nutrition, detoxification, herbs, exercise, fresh air, sunshine, clean water, proper inward and outward sanitation, by avoiding toxins, filth, and chemicals, the coronavirus will want to avoid you, me, and everybody who works at CNN. God loves you. He does not want anybody in this room to be sick. Not one person. He did not create the coronavirus to make us sick, okay? The coronavirus has its job. Let it do its job, whatever that is. I'm not afraid of the coronavirus, SARS, swine flu, bird flu, etc. I know that God is love. Remember that? We talk, God is love and he knows what he is doing. I'm in good hands and so are you.